I can tell this organization is committed to winning. The Broncos, they do have incredible fans that love this team, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Another takeaway for this Denver defense in 58 is right in the middle of all of it. Wow! Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable! Oh my goodness, what a play! Oh, just when you think it can't get any worse, it does. Hello, everyone. Welcome into Mile High Magic, episode number 11. Alongside Nikki Javala, I am Michael Spencer. The Broncos fall to 0-4 after a loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. And then, Nikki, the news gets worse on Monday, the biggest loss of the year. Bradley Chubb, we thought it was just cramps. He thought it was just cramps. Turns out it's a partially torn ACL. He is now out for the season and the hits just keep on coming. Yeah, it's not great. No. Not great. This is less than <laughs> ideal. Um yeah, the loss of Bradley Chubb. I mean, you can't you can't overstate that. I mean, that is that is one of their best players. It is one of their key playmakers and, you know, to have this happen to a defense that is already vulnerable after giving up so many yards on the ground and just Sunday getting their first sack or they got five, rather. Um, this is bad. This is really bad. And I, I don't. I honestly don't know how they turn it around. I mean, they're obviously going to have to bring in some reinforcement at outside linebacker. They'll likely move Malik Reed into a starting role. Um, but after you know four years of having kind of that seamless four man rotation with Miller and Demarcus Ware, or Miller and Chubb, and then Shane Ray and Shaq Barrett in reserve, they don't have much depth there they don't have depth anywhere on the roster um so the only guys spelling chubb and miller this year are a pair of rookies so to me this is maybe like worst case scenario yeah i mean i mean seriously like bradley chubb maybe von miller maybe joe flacco could have been the two other injuries that joe flacco going down with drew luck with Drew Locke still on IR. Been would, have been, would have been really um, bad. And knock on wood that that doesn't happen over right. the next four games. But but to me, this is about as bad as it can get for a football team that is now 0-4 and has its probably youngest and brightest star now lost for the season. Yeah, I mean, re- remember throughout the preseason, we are saying this is Chubb's year. I mean, he already had 12 sacks as a rookie. Coming into year two, working alongside Miller – you throw in Fangio's defense. This was supposed to be the year where he was just going to have a monster season. And, and, you know, after his performances in the early going, yes, he didn't have the sacks in the first three games, but and he's been playing extremely well. And I, I think one of the interesting things Sunday was the fact that he, he came back in. <laughs> so he had, he had cramps um, late in the second quarter. I think it was after uh, Gardner Minshew's first touchdown that, seven-yard touchdown. Um, that was just crazy. Uh, he came out after that, and he was dealing with cramps, but he went back in. All seems well. Um, then on the Jaguars' second play in the fourth quarter, um, it was just you know your normal block by a tight end, but he seemed to plant wrong, and he came up hobbling and favoring his left leg. And he goes to the sideline, throws his helmet, clearly knows something is wrong. The trainers come over, and he's bent over in pain on the sideline. Um, and he leaves briefly. They take him back to the locker room to examine, but he felt well enough to come back out and he did. So five minutes later, he's back out on the field and he's still 
rushing like, you know, almost like he always does. He had a forced fumble. He just slapped the ball out of Minshew's hands. Um, closed the game out, you know, pretty well. And when he woke up this morning, obviously felt significant pain and an MRI revealed the partial tear. So he's going to undergo surgery. He's going to go on IR. And here we are, only week five in the Broncos season. Sure feels like it's lost, if not almost lost. Yeah. So, And going back to Bradley Chubb, I mean, one, how incredibly tough do you have to be to partially tear yeah, your ACL? I just can't and then that. go back in and yeah. play at a really, really high level. Yeah. And, and you're right. I mean, when he came over on the sideline, you were like, that's really weird because yeah. it was, I mean, it wasn't non-contact, but he didn't get hit in the knee or anything like yeah. that. And so I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. And I, I originally thought, okay, it's cramps. And then, well, is it is it an Achilles or, or what? Because those happen in the non-contact situations as we have seen. So that's weird and, and that stinks. And you mentioned Malik Reed. I mean, he's kind of the, the next guy up. And Vic Fangio said on Monday that there are no pity parties in the NFL. But I thought his comments on Malik Reed were really, really telling when he was like, he was asked, has he shown enough to be a starter? And he said, well, we'll find out. Yeah. That's not exactly like, right. oh yeah, man, he's right. going to go in. We're not going to have any problem replacing Bradley Chubb. Yeah. Uh, we'll find out doesn't exactly inspire a whole lot of confidence moving yeah. forward. Well, in preseason, he let it up, but preseason is so misleading to me because you can have guys light it up and you think, oh my gosh, they're so good. How do they not get signed? And you got to remember that they're playing against, you know, second, third stringers mm-hmm. of opponents. So he had a team high four sacks. I think he had like, I don't know how many quarterback hits, but he led the team in sacks, but he was playing against primarily backups. Um, and now in the regular season, he's been used primarily on situational downs, sometimes on the line. Um, and this is a kid that people forget this, but he only had one year of experience at outside linebacker before he signed with the Broncos and as a college free agent. He was on the defensive line, and then uh, Nevada's coaches moved him to outside linebacker because they wanted more size up front, and they felt that um, Malik would be better suited as NFL scouts start to really look at him, um, given his size as an outside guy. And, you know, it worked out, obviously, but, you know, he, he doesn't have that experience in the regular season going against starters. Um so he he filled in for Chubb during that like five minute span in the fourth quarter and he came up with a sack, which was huge. But you know, is he going to be able to play a full game? And Fangio uses, I mean, he's been using Chubb and, and Miller quite a bit yeah. in this game. So. And, and the bottom line is, there's no replacing Bradley Chubb. You, yeah, right? you cannot. I mean, it doesn't cannot. matter who you it is; he's not going to be able to yeah, replace. Yeah, you can put him. a body in there, but you, but yeah, and and there isn't anybody. I mean. You know, if they had kept Shane Ray or Shaq Barrett, you're starting to think, well, if, if I mean, Shane Ray's not even on a team right now, but yeah. if they had, had kept Shaq Barrett, you think, okay, you know, at least there's somebody there who's who's been with this team, who we know what they can bring. They don't have anybody like right. that. And so um, it's just, it's another thing that just compounds the way this season has gone because you add that on to right. the epic collapse that was Sunday afternoon against Jacksonville. And you just start to shake your head and, and think, man, this team just cannot get a break. Right. And you look at you look at this season and it's it's kind of crazy because this is the way it has gone, right? They right. have not gotten a single break all year. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have this injury just compounding right. onto that. And you start to just kind of shake your head like, 
this team is just snake bit. Yeah. I mean, they they really, really yeah. are. So let's let's get into Jacksonville and, and what happened there because the Broncos had a 17 to 3 lead at one point. End up blowing that. The shades of Chicago where Joe Flacco leads what would have been a game-winning drive. The other team gets the football, still plenty of time left. Broncos get called for roughing the passer, extra 15 yeah. yards, and then the opposing team, in this case it's Jacksonville, kicks the game-winning field goal with no time left at mile high, and the Broncos fall to 0-4. Uh, where do you want to start with this? Because there's a lot to get into. Uh, so, so I'll let you decide where do you want to go here because there's so much to dissect from this game. Well, I think the run defense deserves a whole – thing on itself but let's, whole start, let's, podcast, yeah, let's let's start with kind of this tale of two halves here because it it was really remarkable how how quickly and drastically it turned for the broncos and you could probably go back to flacco's interception though you know that was a terrible pass and an untimely mistake but it wasn't necessarily the one that kind of broke them what it, it did, however, shift the momentum, and the Broncos, for some reason, could not regroup after that. Um, but this is this is late in the second quarter, and up until this time, the Broncos had been fully in control. I mean, you, you look at the first half stats, and it's just... It's, it was incredible. It's crazy. I mean, the Broncos had 256 net yards compared to 115 by the Jaguars. They had 13 first downs compared to only seven by the Jaguars. Um I mean, they had 197 passing yards. Um, they held the Jaguars to only 40 yards on the ground. They were Jaguars were 0 for 7 on third down. I mean, they 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 dominated. I mean, the score wasn't exorbitant, but they controlled the game. And until that interception, you thought this was theirs. Um, and it's crazy because that is really, I mean, that to me was the turning point, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. because not only does Jacksonville get the interception, they go kick a field goal. So they get three points right. going into halftime. It's kind of like deja vu at Green Bay, except this time Jacksonville comes out and then they put together a 10 plus minute drive. They go down, score a touchdown. Gardner Minshew has that incredible play on third and 14 where right. he avoids a couple of different tacklers. Eight seconds. I mean, he had eight. He had the ball for eight seconds before he got rid of it, which I think is too long to ask your coverage team and your secondary to try and cover guys. You can't do that in the NFL. Um, But but that to me was really the turning point. And it's so crazy because you talk about you know games aren't decided by one play. Well, that one play, that interception, really changed things for this. It it changed the momentum, and from there, they just they couldn't get out of their own way. I mean. The most incredible sequence to me was in the third quarter. So the Jaguars started out with this massive drive, this 10, 10 and a half minute drive. It was 16 plays, 75 yards. And at the end, Gardner Minshew has this incredible touchdown where he escapes like three tackles in the red zone. And he, he finds, um, Reichwell, was it Reichwell Armstead on, on that one? Yeah. So on third and four, he finds Reichwell Armstead in the corner of the end zone. Suddenly, it's a four-point game. The Broncos respond by going three and out. You can't do that. (laughs) Yeah, that's how you respond. (laughs) Only six yards they picked up. So the Jaguars come back out, and on their first play, Leonard Fournette breaks loose for Mm an 81-yard run. 81. That's the third longest in the last 20 years against the Broncos. And that, of course, helps set up their go-ahead touchdown. Um, So in the span of 
literally three and a half minutes, the Broncos go from holding a, a sizable lead to giving up 14 points and 100 yards and now are now trailing Jacksonville at this point. Meanwhile, they only picked up six yards. Right, and not only that, then they come out on the next possession, they get the roughing the passer penalty, but then after that, they go three and out. So they get the ball right back to them. And you're like, the one thing you cannot afford in that situation, in either of those situations, whether it's after the first touchdown or the second touchdown, is to just hand the ball back over. Right. And I talked to one defensive player last night. He was like, kind of knew it was going to happen yeah. because it's what has been happening to this football team and for this offense for the last two to three years. And that is just, I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what you do there. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you are not putting yourself in a good position to win. And Philip Lindsay kind of touched on it yesterday after the game in the locker room where he was sitting there and he was like, we're not all on the same page. Yeah. You know, we're not helping each other out. And, and you hear guys use the term complimentary football and your offense has to be better than that in that situation. Right. Look, they were really good in the first half minus the interception. I, I really like some of the things that they did, but you can't afford a three and out right. in that situation. Right. You got to be better. You can't afford a three and out, and you can't give up that kind of yardage to Leonard Fournette. He finished with 225 yards on the ground, which is just insane. Um, I think that's the uh, they've given up like I think four 200 yard rushers. He's the most. Um, I think there have been four 200 last, yard yeah. games over the last two yeah. years, and three of them, three of them have come the against the Broncos defense. Yeah. Not great. I mean, you got shades of that Jets game last year. Um, and this this run defense kind of reared its ugly head, and and yeah. uh, I don't know I don't know where they, I don't know what they do yeah. right like I, they're they don't have the answers they don't have there's a lack of talent there and we've talked yeah. about that despite what Fangio again. and what LA say say this team is not built to win there no. is not enough talent among the starters and there's certainly not enough enough depth and you see it on defense week in and week out they have Von Miller they had Chubb. And when everything clicks, they're able to get their rushes. They're able to get to the quarterback. But outside of those two on defense, I think everybody everybody is replaceable. Um, the secondary is a shell of what it once was. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Harris is a shell of what he once was, despite what he'll tell you. <laughs> um, the inside linebackers, not great. The defensive line. I don't think they're big enough, honestly, for this defense. I mean, they're they're getting pushed around. And at the most basic level, they cannot tackle. This team cannot tackle. I mean, how many missed tackles were there yesterday? I counted 15. Not just on 15. Wow. 15. I mean, on Fournette, on Minshew, you know. There was only um, one in the first half. 14 and in then, the rest. Okay. So that's that's an interesting point that you make. And obviously, when you look at, at what happened yesterday, a lot of the negative stuff, nearly all of the negative stuff happened in the second half. And, and I talked to uh, a player who said they're they're just kind of beat down yeah. at this point. And they're practicing too long during the season. Right. And that they're running out of gas in the third and fourth yeah. quarters. And I think he's got a good point that that is what happened against Jacksonville. It's kind of what happened against Chicago. Um, I mean, these guys, they're, they're, they're getting beat up and and run down and maybe they don't have it in the tank to finish games maybe we're seeing the long training camp these long practices the long practices during the regular season 
really start to have an effect right. on this football team. And that's where I just think the whole notion of, you know, Vic Fangio didn't play the starters enough. That's why they're not doing well. I mean, it's it's the opposite, you know. They got too much time on the field because of their practices. They had three-hour practices in training camp. Um, they didn't have the two-a-days with the walkthroughs in the evenings or, the, you know, the full team walkthroughs, but they have really long practices, you know, and, and peak heat. Um so, yeah, I, I do think guys are worn out and they don't have the depth to, you know, give them time, you know, give them time out of the game. And it, it's just there's this is not going to work. It's just not going to work. That said, I still think Vic Fangio's system and what he's trying to do, that's not the problem. I don't believe that Vic Fangio is the problem. You look at. His defenses over the years, it's not by accident that he's created all these great defenses at all these different stops, be it an expansion team in Carolina, be it in San Francisco with the Dome Patrol in New Orleans and Chicago. He's had a lot of great players, but that doesn't happen by accident. So I think the system is fine. They just have to give him something to work with and kind of give it time for the guys to get used to it. I mean, Derek Wolf, who is kind of shockingly been the most sound one on (laughs) all of this said just that after the game, like, yeah, they're frustrated. They're angry. But at the same time, how many head coaches have they gone through? How many system changes have they gone through positional coaches? I mean, it's just kind of crazy. So for those calling to like fire everybody, all those wholesale changes are kind of what got the Broncos into this point. They're certainly part of it. Yeah. And I think what's really telling too is we have been dealing with this for the last couple of years, right? We've been in that like We know, we've heard guys say, it's the scheme, it's the coaches. Yeah. You know, we've seen them point the fingers. There hasn't been any of that yeah. yet. Now that yeah. may come, but but I've talked to, to guys and Will Parks said it yesterday when he met with the media. He was like, look, it's on us. Yeah. It's on us as players to make better plays, you know? And, and so... The players aren't blaming the coaches, which is kind of telling because in the past we've heard Chris Harris Jr. talk about the scheme and how they're not in great positions. Um, And that, to me, circles back. And it just it says the same thing that we've been saying. And when you're hearing it from the players, that tells you, in my mind, kind of all you need to know is is that it's not a coaching issue. So I'm I'm not calling for for Vic Fangio. No, I I think it's silly. Because he can only coach the guys that are on the field. Right. You know? I think when you get into whether John Elway is the problem, I think immediately you think, well, yeah, absolutely. I would think most GMs, they would be fired, you know, well before getting to this point where they're 0-4, given, you know, the last few years here. But on the flip side, I do wonder if, all right, you bring in a new GM. What if he has, what if this new guy has a completely different approach mm-hmm. than what Elway and Fangio agreed to? Because I do think Fangio has a lot of say in, in what is happening here. Um, he built that coaching staff, and I think he would have even more say on how they rebuild this roster. And there's no doubt they will have to rebuild this roster, whether they say they want to or not. But I think this is where Fangio has a chance to have his greatest impact on the future of the team. But if you bring in somebody new at the top and they don't agree with it and they clash, well, 
you know, then you're starting over once again. Does so, he, right. Does that GM want to bring in his right, own guy? Exactly. You know, so, and then all of a sudden you've got another coach. Yeah. And and look, say what you want uh, about John Elway and his draft misses. He's, uh, he's owned up to some of those. There's been a lot of them. There's been a lot. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> but, but when you look at the coaching staff, he didn't expect Gary Kubiak to leave. Right. Right. And, right. and so you can't really put that one on him. Um, and then he, he swung and missed on Vance Joseph. Okay, fair. Um, but it's almost like you want to you want to try and give them time. As yeah. as silly as that sounds, and I know Broncos country is right. really really frustrated. But let's see. There there's there's no quick fix to no. this. No, I mean there really isn't. You were in it for the long haul, and yeah, he has a really long leash because one, he's John Elway, and two, he was the orchestrator of, of Super Bowl Fifty. But but there is no quick fix, whether it's firing John, whether it's firing Vic. None of that is going to change this organization overnight. No. And I, I think the more you make significant changes, the less of a chance you're giving something, you know, at letting it actually work. And I, I, Vic Fangio's system works. You just got to give it a foundation. What they're going to have to do is they're going to have to admit that what they're doing right now is not working. Right. And trying to plug the leaks is not working on this sinking ship. Right. You got to let the ship shank. Uh, ship. I got it. Sink. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yes. Appreciate that. Um, boat go down. I swear it was just coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, the boat is going down. <laughs> you got to you got to let that happen, and you almost have to orchestrate it. You know, yeah. from I'm not saying tank for two or anything like that. Don't tank, but, but you've got to admit, hey, we got some serious issues yeah. here that we need to solve, and what we're trying to do by re trying to you know resurface Joe Flacco's career is not necessarily working right now. Right, and and they're going to have to honestly evaluate themselves and say, hey, we have missed too much. What can we do to put ourselves in a better position to get this thing righted in the near future? Because I don't think it changes next year, but you can start to look, okay, two years, three years down the road, what can we do to help this football team be in a better position? Because right now the ship's going down and they're not doing anything that's going to just fix it overnight and and get it afloat. I mean, it's like the Mike Munchak hiring. You know, there, with all the penalties to start up front, there were so many calls of, well, I thought Mike was supposed uh-huh. to fix everything. They're not miracle workers. You, you have to bring in the right talent, the right staff. And while they might have the right staff, they don't have the right talent. Um, 2015 was the perfect storm. They got in exceptional talent. I mean, the hole they had in that 2014 free agent mm-hmm. class was just unbelievable. And they had the right system eventually. They did in that first year right. with Jack Del Rio in the 4-3. They got it eventually with Kubiak and Wade. They have to find that again. And, you know, I, I again, I, I think Vic's system can work. I think Scangarello, you got to give him a chance. I don't even think they're running the Shanahan offense right now just because the games have been so wacky. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been behind. They haven't been able to do the things they want to do. They, they really haven't even got into their the system. I mean, it's it's new to Flacco. I mean, the Kubiak system is not what Scangarello is running. I mean, it's based off Shanahan's system, but Kubiak never evolved his system, yeah. you know? 
Skangarel has. So and it's going to take time. And I like some things that they did offensively against the Jaguars. 24 points, obviously, a season high. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they did a, a really good job on some of the running back routes. Um, I thought I liked the pl- use of play action. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think coaches would say, well, you know, we didn't have a lot of plays. Philip Lindsay only getting nine or 10 touches, not good enough. No. 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 Like he's, he's got to get more. But the second half got out of hand. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. And then you're only on the yeah. field for six plays or whatever right. it was until the, until late in the third quarter. And so it's tough to get that going. And that, they'll use that as, as their reasoning as for why. But I think you look at that first half, I thought Scangarello called a really, really good game. Yeah. Um, I agree. And so, I mean, I love the Noah Fant play. Um, I love the, the Deontay Spencer. Uh, jet out, and then he, he was looking over to the side and then flipped it back over to Spencer on the near side. So I thought there were some really, really good things that they did offensively, but you got to get more of that in the second half. Right. Um, and, and that's eventually what killed them. And then to a degree, you almost have to tip your hat to Jacksonville because first half, Leonard Fournette didn't do anything. Right. I mean, eight carries for 35 yards, you know, and then he goes off for 190 yards in the second half. Well, that was because Jacksonville decided, hey, let's stop going three and four wide. Let's go heavy, bring in uh, some some eligible linemen and really just pound the football. And it worked. And right. and so in that regard, you kind of tip your hat to Jacksonville. They obviously saw some things at halftime that they wanted to exploit, and they did. Um but obviously that goes back to the Broncos just not being good in the run defense. I, I thought the most disheartening comment, if you're a Broncos fan, was Derek Wolf saying, we just can't finish games. Yeah. We don't know why, but we can't finish them. That's that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's bad. I they mean, don't know why they can't get it done. And, and the defense, which was supposed to be the best part of this team – can't get a stop with 9.54 to play. Instead, gives up a 13-play, 78-yard drive that ate up more than seven minutes. Then your offense goes down and score, and you still can't get a right. stop. Right. You know, and say what you want about the roughing the passer. That only gave Jacksonville the ball at their own 41. So it's not like it put them automatically into field goal range. They go have a completion to Westbrook. He gets a couple yards after the catch because they can't get him out of bounds or get him down. I mean, so... Derek Wolf's right. They can't get a stop. They don't know how to win. And it's that old saying of, you know, bad teams find ways to lose games. That's what this team is doing right now. In the fourth quarter, when they had the roughing penalty and then they give up a 32-yard completion, I'm like, I almost... I almost lost. It was so deja vu. Are we not only are we just repeating general mistakes? We're like replicating yes, games. Yes, exactly here. how like, it happened. It is bizarre, and like a lot of people were giving me heat on Twitter because they're like, "That was not a questionable roughing." All. Yes, it was. His legs that cut off from under him. Yeah, he fell into Minshew because his legs were cut off from under him. So he didn't just like smash him in the face purposely. So. Yeah, it, it was questionable, but it doesn't matter because they shot themselves in the foot anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And, and I'm I'm a bit worried about the run defense. There. I think the blueprints out on the Broncos yeah. and how to beat them. Yeah, right. Yeah, like and oh, by the way, you're looking at the Chargers, and we'll get into that game in our second podcast of the week coming up on Thursday. Oh, and Melvin Gordon's oh. back. Oh, oh look how at convenient. That. Oh. Melvin Gordon. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> oh, by the way, he's got fresh legs. Oh. 
Oh, perfect. And who's that Colorado kid? Oh, uh, yeah, Austin Eckler. Oh, He's pretty God. good, too. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that should be fun. Woof. You're looking at 0 4, and then you were thinking maybe the Titans were a win, and then they go to Atlanta and handle the Falcons. Yeah. Oh boy. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be a long year. Buckle no. up. Yeah, it is. Um, okay, let's recap some over. Oh, well, no, we got to talk about this real quick. The frustrations in the locker oh, room. Oh, yeah. Boiling over. You can bit. see it coming. Um, so, what I gathered, you could hear screaming and yelling from the locker room. So, the way it works is the players come back into the locker room. They're able to shower and get dressed. And then uh, the first wave of media, it's usually team partners, sponsors like KOA, Nine News, they're allowed in there. Um, and they get early interviews. And at the tail end of that period is when the screaming and yelling really started to pick up. Like, you know, when KOA was interviewing Flacco, you there was some of it. And it was it was serious. I mean, guys weren't like physically fighting, but there was a lot of back and forth, a lot of profanity. Um and, you know, there there was finger pointing. And, and it's, to me, it's only inevitable after four straight losses to open the season. And after, you know, for the guys who were holdovers from last year, this is their eighth consecutive loss dating back to the end of the season. So, you know, guys are frustrated. They're sick of losing. So it was bound to happen. But I do think it is telling that after four weeks, there's that obvious fraying of the locker room. And we've seen this yeah. for years now. Um you know, you go back to Akeeb's last year here, um, 2016. You know, they it was a sharp drop when Peyton Manning retired, and you know they didn't have the offense they thought they would. You got Akeeb Talib fighting Russell Okung after a game. You got that incident between Akeeb and Jordan Norwood mm-hmm. after Jordan muffed a punt. Um, then there was an incident between Chris Harris and Isaiah McKenzie. They got into it during a practice and. We walk into the locker room here at the training facility and Isaiah McKenzie is literally in tears and being consoled by CJ Anderson. That of course led to, you know, it was very obvious that it was then the veterans versus the younger guys. A lot of the older players saying these young cats don't get it. They don't know how much work it takes. And here we've seen kind of a similar thing. Training camp, you had Emmanuel and Sanders and Cortland Sutton throwing punches, throwing water bottles. I mean, if that was not the obvious red flag, I mean, and those are two guys who are supposedly close. Supposedly, you know? um, yeah, they're not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and now, you know, after this loss, yeah, they're sick of losing, but there still is that division between the Super Bowl Fifty holdovers, the veteran players, and the younger guys who essentially are there to supplant the veteran guys. Well, and what did we talk about last week when we were talking about Philip Lindsay, you know, yeah. and pointing the finger at the media and yeah. at the fans. And eventually you run out of fingers to point right. and you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, oh, maybe the guy next to me, you know, right. I mean, maybe this is this is what's happening. That was the first sign for me that frustrations were really kind of getting to a point. And obviously Vaughn had his press conference. And then when things start to fray internally, then it goes really bad because they're running out of people to look at and say, hey, you're screwing up. Right. And this is only week five, yeah. mind you. And Vic Fangio saying today when when asked about it, it's mostly frustration, you know, and he doesn't view it as a big negative at this point, but I don't see it getting any better. I don't see it getting any which better. Is the and the trading deadline is in a month. Yeah. So 
There's we'll gonna you be, chew on that. There's going to be a lot to talk about that. Yeah. We should we should make time Thursday in our yeah. podcast to talk about the trading deadline. And I know we you're should. working on a piece for theathletic.com yes. about that because it it's to the point now where the Broncos are going to have to really make some decisions because this this season, I mean, it's kind of silly to say that it's gone, but it's pretty much gone. It's gone at, at zero and four, and yeah. so now you got to seriously make some decisions. And I think there are some there are some tough moves that they're going to have to make for the good of the organization. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that obviously deserves a little bit longer of a of a time frame there uh, that we should get into. Uh, I do want to get into our over unders. Did I, I win? I gotta. We'll see. So I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. I want it to be noted. So we're in the press box at the game yesterday, and we're you and I are in the same room. Like the the writers are in kind of one section of the room, and, and the TV people are in another section of the room. And right after Bradley Chubb gets the second sack of the game, uh, you text me and you say, "Hey, what was our over under for sacks?" Uh, and I said one point five, and you go, "That's what I thought. I win, you lose." <laughs> it was so you were so gracious. I was in victory. As I explained to you, I never win anything <laughs> sports related. I was always the last kid picked on the kickball team. So uh, it turns time. out you actually picked the under. No. So it was it was combined sacks for Chubb and Miller. We set it at one and a half. What was I thinking? And, and just before this podcast, I went back and listened to it, and we both took the under. I don't believe you. We both said that they were going to get one. There's audio proof here. No. We both said it was that altered. Were, <laughs> we both said they were going to get one. Uh, so we were both wrong. On that. All right, it's fine as long as we both lost. Okay. okay. Uh, sacks on Flacco. Uh, you said it at three, uh, and I went over. I got I got baited into the Jacksonville Jaguars and their nine sacks against the Titans. Uh, I took the over. You took the under. He wasn't sacked at all. I win. Winner, correct. winner. Chicken not, dinner. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, Broncos total touchdowns. You said it at three. Uh, I said it was going to be under. You said it was going to be over. It was three exactly, right? Gosh, who said that? That is awful. Man. I mean, someone give us, else should set it. Got to give us a point five there. Yeah. So that's a push on that one. Yeah. Uh, and then Garrett Bowles holding penalties uh, was at one point five. I took the under. You took the over, and he didn't have a holding penalty. Second straight game that that's, our guy Garrett Bowles. Has gone I mean, without a holding penalty. Nobody could have predicted that. I mean, all right, well, you actually did. So, so, yeah. so we we tie. It's a push. I got one right. You got one right, and we'll try for better luck. I don't like ties. And, I don't still, believe in ties. Still, and I think it's a waste. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, still winless. And you're. Can I just tell people I won anyway? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. You can take it. the victory if that's what you need. To yeah. feel better about covering an 0-4 football team. Oh, we, gotta, go we, we need something. It's going to be a long year. Oh, man. It certainly is. So we're going to have a lot to talk about on this next one. In the meantime, between now and our look ahead to the Chargers. Oh, Chargers on the road. Is At LA. Been, oh, that's yeah. not good. Which is kind of a home game for the Broncos. I mean, that it stadium is, is probably going to be, you know, what does it seat? 30 people? It's and usually 15 of them are yeah. going to be in Broncos color. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, 20. but that's also where did it, they set a lot of dubious records there in Vance's first year. Yes, they did. In the meantime, while you're looking forward to that, um, <laughs> check out some of the other things on theathletic.com. We got a bunch of new podcasts. The NFL Power Rankings podcast just went up, um, gives you a weekly look at. The league and who's rising, who's falling. Um, Lindsey Jones and Amy Parlapiano do a great job with that. 
Um, their latest episode is on top five coaches who should be in panic mode. And as we went into, we firmly believe that Vic Fangio should not be among them. But be sure to check it out and hear what Lindsay and Amy have to say. Uh, until then. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you're listening on iTunes right now. If you want more, uh, make sure you subscribe to theathletic.com. Uh, rate our podcast as well. And then, like we said, coming up Thursday, we'll dig into the Chargers game. Also dig into the uh, upcoming trade deadline, what that will mean for this football team as we both expect them to make some moves uh, as this season uh, continues. And we'll see what happens uh, next Sunday. But, of course, we'll be back with you, like we said, on Thursday with our second podcast of the week. Uh, until then, that is going to do it. She's Nikki Javala. I'm Michael Spencer. Thanks so much for listening to Mile High Match.